Well, good morning. Good morning. So, uh, Christmas, as we are approaching Christmas, this is our um, season of, of hope. And it is with difficulty, I am just not a topical kind of preacher, okay? Because, I, one, I figured out that I'm not really clever. Uh, so I, I can't come up with things on my own. And uh, second, that my habit is such to just expose the body to what the text of the scripture says. And that's just kind of my thing. And so um, this week, as I start out, I'm sorry, I started out with a premise, right? Here's the premise. I want to speak about uh, Christmas, but uh, I'm not in a in a context of of uh, of actually teaching through a passage. And so I hope that you will bear with my uh, bumbling uh, attempt uh, this morning. And as I was studying, I could tell that and I could see why uh, some pastors are tempted to try to be clever and cute. Because, you know, we, we hear the same passages over and over again at Christmas time, don't we? And then and then you've seen probably or been in churches where the pastor took some real liberties with the, the, the passage because he wanted to be clever or cute or different somehow than what you've, how you've heard it before. Um, and so I could feel sort of that temptation, uh, and where that probably comes from. Um, but you know, if it's new, it isn't true. If it's true, it's not new. So, uh, this morning, what I want to do is talk about the hope of Christmas. And I'm going to do so from maybe an unlikely place, Genesis chapter three. And uh, I'm going to talk about the hope of Christmas there, and I'm going to kind of work our way through uh, a few passages in the book of Genesis, and uh, finally we will finish uh, with the familiar uh, passage in in Luke. So let us uh, first pray. Father God, we do look to heaven for our hope this morning and this season. Uh, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to uncover the glory of your promise that you have made to us in the person of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your word this morning. I ask all of this in his precious name. Amen. Amen. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to begin in verse 14 and read through verse uh, 19. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, I'm reading from the NASB this morning, just because there's some clarity from the NASB that the ESV does not have. So I'll I'll give you that. The Lord God uh, said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil, you will eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. 
Okay, so that sounds like a very hopeful passage, right? It, it is the hope of Christmas is there. It is, it is right there in the text. It is the seed of hope. And kind of what we tend to do at Christmas time is we, we want to empathize with the people Israel, you know, from a perspective that we don't have now because Christ has indeed come and we know this and that Christ is coming again, that, that the Christ was born and that he did indeed die on a cross for sin. And as we, uh, try to capture the feeling of the season though is, is what, um, we, we tend to do in our worship and in our celebration of Christmas is to capture the, 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 the tension of, of hopefulness, of hoping for what is to come, the anticipation. And so uh, we want to empathize with and walk in the sandals of God's chosen people, Israel, during Christmas time, knowing what we know. Where we look backward from our position in Christ and then we celebrate that season of hope. And the season is about really relating to and anticipating God's promise. God's promise. We celebrate the season with gifts under the tree and with stockings and those kinds of things. And uh, what kids usually do when they see that is that they know that those gifts are there all along because we do it ahead of time, right? Those gifts are there and they're anxiously awaiting like, there's no doubt that the gifts are there because they've seen their name on the name tag. They, they know that they're there, right? But they're anticipating with hopefulness that, that on that morning that they're going to get to open those up and that there's going to be this wonderful gift there. Well, they know it's there, but there's this anticipation in the season as we, as we await uh, Christmas morning. Well, we want the promise of God to be realized, that is, that is what the anticipation of Christmas is, is we know the promises of God and know that they are true, and we're just waiting for them to be realized. That's how kind of we live our lives in this world, and that's kind of this hope of Christmas, this anticipation. And, you know, in our lives, don't we celebrate the promises of God that against all God, uh, all hope, I mean, against all odds, as we look at the world around us, we even prayed about this a lot this morning, is that we can look at all the things around us in the world and, and as we're, as we're praying those things, we know that against all odds, God will come through on his promises. God's promises are true and that one day soon he will reveal those promises to us. So I want to pose this question to us. How, how did hope begin and when did it begin? I pose to you this morning that to understand the people of God's hope in the coming Messiah, that we must go way back, way back to the beginning, to the origin of the promise, which is why I started in Genesis 3 this morning. The season of Christmas began with a promise, and it was a seed of hope. Hope began with a promise seed. There was a seed of hope. In verse 15, he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. There's a promised seed in the midst of great, great trouble, wasn't there? The seed is the promise of God. The seed of hope is cast against this dark backdrop of total depravity and God's righteous judgment as creator God. Here, Adam and Eve, they fell and they, they chose to eat 
of the knowledge of good and evil, which was forbidden to them, right? And from that point forward, there was this totally depraved people in a world of hopelessness. Because if they ate of it, they would surely die, right? Here's this hopelessness. And against all hope, God says, but here is the seed of promise. And it's cast against this very black backdrop here. The seed is the promise that God says, I will make the way to restore humankind. I will make the way to restore what you have destroyed. I will. Pro- I promise you a seed. A seed will come from this woman who will crush the enemy underneath his feet. Here is the seed of hope. Because you see, we need this seed of hope, don't we? I think all of us are in desperate need of this seed of hope. And we can share this seed of hope with the world. We have to be honest with them because their parent, their first parents and our first parents destroyed intimacy with God. Intimacy with God was destroyed by Adam and Eve. And it was passed on to you and to me. It was passed on. We were born with this destroyed intimacy of relationship with God, the Father. Our first parents destroyed this intimacy by eating that which was forbidden in the garden. And God cursed the serpent. He cursed the devil. He cursed the woman. And he cursed the man. And all of us, every one of us in here can trace our lineage back to Adam and Eve. And thus we're born with a nature just like theirs and born under the same curse. The situation in the garden that day was hopeless. Was it not? Was it not hopeless? It was hopeless. It was a hopeless situation. Humanity could not restore what sin had destroyed. There was no human way possible to restore this relationship that they had willingly destroyed. But God, who is rich in mercy, abounding in steadfast love, graciously promised a future and a hope. There's a seed that will come from you, Eve. It's the seed of hope. It's Christmas hope, isn't it? It's the first sign of Christmas hope. That situation was hopeless. Amid the tragic condition of Adam and Eve and all that would be born after them in a sin-sick world was a seed of hope. And he, and God tells them, against all odds, in heartache, in suffering, in toil, for a depraved people, I'm promising you grace. The grace of the seed of hope. And this hope began as this promised seed. And I think this seed is the hope of Christmas. It's the seed of the gospel of grace. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. This is what is known as the Proto-Evangelium, which is a big compound word that comes from proto, meaning first, and where we get like our word prototype, and evangelion, or good news. It is the first good news. You are utterly depraved and cannot save yourself. You have destroyed intimacy with me, but I will send a seed 
the seed of hope, good news in the midst of a tragic situation. Good news that in a world of trouble, God would bring forth a seed from our first parents to save a people who believe in the promise by faith. We talked about all of the people of God from that point forward and till this day are people who believe God by faith. They believe that the promises of God are true, that the things God said will come to pass do is those who have their faith and their trust in the promises of God. People of God are people of promise, people who by faith put their hope in God and the truth of his promises. From a seed, God says, I will deliver my people. From a seed, I will deliver my people. A savior will be born. So then poses the great question and the question that all of Israel asked for pages and pages in this book. Who will be this seed? When will he come? Would it be Cain, the firstborn of Eve? Would it be Abel, their second child? Well, we find out that soon after this promise, Cain killed Abel. So it wasn't them. So who is the promised seed? Where is hope? And then as we move forward in the story, we look in Genesis 5 and we see all the generations of Adam. And as each one of the uh, sons of Adam are mentioned, their children, they die and they are no more. And they're written out of the story. Where would the seed come from? The seed has not come. Will God bring the Savior as promised? Becomes the big question in the mind of Israelites then, right? From that point forward as it was handed down to them. And then at this time, after this time, right? The people become uh, utterly corrupt. The odds did not look good. Listen to what Genesis 6 verses 5 through 7 say. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. Is the seed, is the promise really going to come true? It doesn't look good at all, does it? It doesn't look good on paper. But then the next verse, but God, who is gracious and abounding in steadfast love, favored Noah. He favored Noah who believed God, and thus the seed of hope and the promise of God continued. The good news, the gospel of grace, was again announced to Noah. I am saving a people for myself. I am bringing the seed of promise through you. Noah's descendants after that repopulated the earth and all the nations that we know today have come from them. But the question is, who then is the promised Savior? In Genesis 12, God made the seed of promise again. The promise of the seed to a 75-year-old man, Abram. God makes this promise to Abram, and against all odds, the promise continues. The good news, the gospel, was again announced to Abraham. The faithful believed God would bring the promised seed through Abraham's descendants. And then against all odds, at 100 years old, Abraham has 
Isaac. The promise of the coming seed was made to the family of God's people again and again and again as you look through the uh, history of Israel in Genesis. Again and again, at each turning point, there's the promise made of the descendants being multiplied and that this seed is coming through those uh, people. The Messiah is coming. And as you read the rest of Scripture, you know this, that the people of God rebelled constantly against Him. They constantly disregarded His promises. But a remnant of God's people kept faith in the promises. There's always a remnant of God's people who have kept the promises of God, despite wars, despite being enslaved, in despite of even their own depravity, the promise continued. God continued to announce the good news, the gospel of grace, concerning the coming seed of Adam and Eve that would save God's people from their sins. Finally, let us turn to Luke chapter 1. And we will uh, begin in verse 26. As we look at Luke, this is the, this is the announcement of this seed of hope coming to an unlikely person once again. The final announcement of this message of this seed of hope. Verse 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth, has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was barren, who was called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This announcement, this is the final announcement of the promise. Isn't this the same promise? This is the promise in Genesis 3. I will bring forth a seed from you. And here it is. He's telling this same promise to to Mary. You will, you will bear this seed. This is the final kind of announcement before it all comes. Against all odds, there's good news. Against all odds, this good news was announced yet again, wasn't it? The gospel of grace announced that the promised seed would soon arrive through an unmarried virgin girl. Unlikely situation, right? That in a situation of hopelessness, God sends forth his promise of the coming Savior. Let's look again at at verse uh, 34. 
Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? How can this be since I am a virgin? Reconciliation with God for Adam and Eve's sin and for all of us born into their family is impossible for us. Reconciliation with God, bringing intimacy back to our relationship with God is humanly impossible. But God promised a seed. In the midst of our rebellion, God promised a seed. He will save you from your sins. With God, everything is possible. All is possible. And it is the only possibility for salvation. I don't know if we stand as firm on that as we ought to in our world. That there is one way of salvation. And that is the person, Jesus Christ, who was from the beginning the promised seed for our sin. That this seed has really been born. This is the hope and the only hope that anyone has at Christmas time is faith in the promise of God from that seed. And that promise was really true, right? That there is historical documentation. The person Jesus really did live and walk this earth. The person Jesus really did die on a cross. The person Jesus was really unable to be found when they went to the tomb. He was really, really gone. He really, really did show himself alive to 500 and then to, I mean, ultimately to 500. And then to us, he has shown himself alive, has he not? That is our testimony, that Jesus Christ has shown himself to be alive to us. And this is the hope that we have for Christmas. This is the hope that we have to a world who is in desperate need of hope. But I think the thing is, is that they don't know they need it. Do you know? I mean, they think they, they think they have all that they need. The world around us doesn't know that they're hopeless. They don't know that they're helpless. They don't know that all is lost for them. But God has given them a seed of hope in the person of Jesus, in the midst of their worst sin, in the midst of your worst sin, in the midst of my worst sin, God made me alive in Christ Jesus, made you alive in Christ. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive in Christ Jesus, right? It is the seed of hope. It is, it is the thing that the world needs, and especially at Christmas time, we may have more opportunities in the next week or so to uh, influence our non-believing friends and neighbors, won't we? That Christmas is not just about gifts and some red dude uh, coming down and putting presents under a tree, and it's not about commercialism, and it's not about any of those things. It's about hope. And it's about the only hope that anybody has at all. Are we desperate to get people that seed of hope to them? We need to be desperate people, I think. Desperate to get our neighbors to understand that they are without hope in the world. But there is one hope, and God sent His Son, the seed of hope, and He promised it from the beginning. And you can trust it, because look at everything that went against it. 
Look at everything that went against the seed. There's Abraham ready to plunge a knife into Isaac. And God stayed his hand. And against all odds, the seed went on and God continued his promises to Isaac and to his descendants and so on. And then Jesus right here to Mary. The seed has come. The seed will be in you. Although you be unmarried, although you never have had intimacy with Joseph, against all odds, this young teenage girl, I am bringing the seed of hope and you will bear him and he will save people from their sins and he will reign over the house of Jacob, all of Israel. He will reign over all of the earth and he has a kingdom that will have no end, he tells her. You see, there was once a promised seed of hope amid tragic human failure against cosmic treason against God. That is our message. There is a seed of hope amid drastic human failure and cosmic treason. That is what every person on the planet is guilty of. Cosmic treason. Can you imagine the gall that we have as human beings to defy the one who created all things, who by his own word we came to exist? We have the gall to defy him, to ignore him, to doubt his faithfulness, to doubt his promises, even to doubt his love. There's once a promised seed of hope amid that drastic human failure and cosmic treason of which we are all guilty. But the people of God are those who hope in the promises of God. In Corinthians, it says that the people of God are those who hope in the promises of God for all the promises of God find their yes in him. And I've paraphrased this to say that for all the promises of God find their yes in the seed of Adam and Eve. They find their yes in that seed who has come, Jesus. That is why through him, through the seed of hope, through the promised seed of hope from God, that we utter our amen and our glory to God. That is why we utter our glory to God, because he has given us a seed of hope in a drastic situation. I ask you this morning, do you have this kind of hope this Christmas? Do your neighbors have this kind of hope this Christmas? Do you have faith that God is the God of the impossible? Christmas is all about hope. Christmas is about everything being against all odds in spite of your inability, because of your depravity, that the promises of God and the hope of Christmas, in spite of the fact that we are totally depraved people, there's a hope this Christmas, that by faith you believe that God sent His Son, that Christ was born, that Christ is indeed the seed that God promised to Adam and Eve. So I would ask this, will you ask, will you yourselves turn from sin and believe in the promised seed of God, Jesus Christ, to be reconciled unto Him? And will you ask of your neighbors and your unbelieving family members that you might gather with this Christmas that, hey, the reason why we're having you at dinner uh, this day 
is not to necessarily be all about Mary and joy, although it is a joyous time for us because we believe. But to be honest and say, you're sitting at this table and you're hopeless. You have no hope whatsoever. You can do nothing to change your situation with your relationship to holy God. But God promised a seed and that seed has come. That is the message of Christmas hope. Let us take a moment of silence and contemplate God's word. Father, we praise you for sending your son Jesus. I pray that we would walk in hopefulness uh, this season. I pray that we would uh, be emboldened to share the message of hope to a world that so desperately needs it. That we would get excited about the hope of Christmas. That we would get excited about the opportunity to share that hope with our friends and our family this season. And I pray, Lord, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would be calling those to yourself that you are saving by your promise. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.